Hello there, Stefan just popping in before this episode to let you know that this is an extra special Halloween episode which features Matt and Kayla from the Big If True podcast. Um, We actually recorded this back in August of 2018 when I attended a podcasting workshop um, and Matt and Kayla were running it and they actually taught me how to podcast. Um, And then from there, I wrangled in Katie and started up the Littlest Podcast, which you hear uh, every Thursday. Um, But this Thursday is going to be an extra special episode with just Matt, Kayla, and myself. And we're talking about the 1963 episode, Trouble in Pairs, which is actually from the original run of the Littlest Hobo, which went from 1963 to 1965. So I hope you guys all enjoy this and happy Halloween. Hello there, my name is Stefan and uh, I would like to welcome you to the first episode of The Littlest Podcast, a podcast about The Littlest Hobo. I am sitting at a very long table and across from me are two other people. Hello other people, would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, my name is Kayla. And my name is Matt. Uh, Thank you for having us. Oh no, thank you for having me. Uh, We're going to watch another episode of The Littlest Hobo, of which there are six whole seasons it's a lot of content for the people out there yes high quality canadian content well i think we should clarify that we're talking about uh we normally will be talking about the littlest hobo that ran from 1978 to 1984 85 and there's 114 episodes okay you know that's incredible (laughs) but this week we're actually going to talk about an episode of littlest hobo that uh is from 1963 so from the original littlest hobo uh, of which there were only two seasons, and I thought it was in black and white, but the one we watched was actually in color. It was a rare episode in defense of that. Yeah, I um I actually read about this while we were doing research, and The Littlest Hobo was originally in black and white, but a few episodes were colorized or produced in color, so that's pretty interesting, I thought. I need The Littlest Hobo, and I need to see him in full, just RBG. I need to know what that looks like. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Blu-ray release. Um, 4K. It's all about the 4K. It's got to be 4K. Uh, 3D immersion, where you are the hobo. You're the dog. We're all the Littlest Hobo. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the episode we watched today was called uh, Trouble in Pairs from 1963. It is a rare episode, apparently, according to YouTube. Exceedingly rare, since it's the only one on YouTube. That's right. That's how rare it is. Somebody's got the other ones. Maybe they're on Vimeo. Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, I guess maybe we should just bop right into the episode and talk about what happens. So before we actually started recording, I was talking about The Littlest Hobo and uh, all the things I could remember about The Littlest Hobo from when I was a kid. And the only thing I could remember about The Littlest Hobo was The Littlest Hobo, the dog, getting off a train. And uh, I was like, I wonder what episode that could be. And the episode today we uh, watched started with The Littlest Hobo getting off a train. So I get the feeling that maybe that memory is not going to be as helpful as I thought it might be. For a pretty common motif. Uh, yeah, well, who knew? I guess hobos travel by train. The Littlest Hobo is a Canadian show about a dog named London who gets off of a Santa Fe train. <laughs> and I just think we're doing a lot of world traveling right there. Um, I guess, yes, we didn't explain at all what this show is about. <laughs> it is about a dog named the Littlest Hobo, and he travels around and helps people. He is truly the littlest hobo. In every sense of the word, little. Because all the other hobos are grown men. Yes. Yes. Exactly. As we will see shortly. Right. He is a pretty 
grown ass man. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, yes, I guess the dog being. How much do you think the dog weighs? I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in and say 25 pounds. <laughs> well, okay. What? No, that dog is like a standard dog size. It's like 70 pounds. That's 70 you pounds that's of pure mutt. I think I would have guessed also about 70 pounds. That's a, yeah, that's dog- I weigh about 130 pounds. <laughs> Are you saying that dog could tear me limb from limb? I'm saying if we put two of those dogs in a trench coat, they would be as big as you. It'd be indistinguishable. <laughs> I wouldn't even know there was a change. <laughs> it would produce better podcasts, too. Oh, no. <laughs> so the episode starts with the littlest hobo jumping off a train with a bunch of other dirty, dirty hobos. To the dulcet tones of one Randy Sparks's Road Without End. Yeah. And it's a heck of a song. Yeah, look for it at your local record store. We could probably edit it in right here, actually. Stop over, might find a new friend. Stop over along the road without end. I have a question right off the bat about the littlest hobo. Okay. He gets off the train with another fella, mm-hmm. a, a man, yes. a big hobo, if you will. Mm-hmm. Does he usually have an owner? I I don't think he does. Okay. So who is this fellow? They seemed very well acquainted. I actually noted him in my notes as big hobo. Because <laughs> he's given no name. He's the man without a name. He's much like Clint Eastwood. Right. He's exactly like Clint Eastwood, just waiting to shoot up a small town. Um, I have him down as dirty hobo, but he actually wasn't that dirty. He had a, a pocket chain. Did you notice he had yeah. like a? He was like a fine English gentleman. He was more like a fine English asshole because he <laughs> isn't the greatest man. No, he he definitely is not, as we learn throughout the episode. Should we get right at the beginning? Right, because we're in a town called Edgemar, mm-hmm. and we all three of us noted that the city limits, uh, it's which is pronounced by a sign, uh, it's right on the lake of the city, which they like come out of, weirdly enough. Yeah, so they get out of the train, and then they're immediately by, the by a, like a lake, which is the edge of the city. The big hobo remarks that they didn't care much for that town anyway. Mm. Which implies that they were maybe kicked out of a previous town and were forced into the waters. Well, they couldn't save all the children. <laughs> you can't save them every week. You can't. You can save some of them. I did. I did like that. Yes, the big hobo got out, and some of the other hobos got out, and they were a little bit dirty. And then it immediately cut to the littlest hobo, who uh, some poor grip had come along and dumped a bunch of dirt directly onto that dog. So he shakes off like. Like eight dogs worth of dirt. Oh, like a pound of dust and dirt. Yeah. I have here in my notes, dusty boy, because that's what he is. <laughs> I, I wonder if that was like, uh, if that was uh, like Actors Guild approved dirt, or if it was just like concrete shavings they happen to have, and they're like, hey, he's a dog. You can't, he can't file a complaint. Luckily, they have multiple dogs. Right. They have I'm sure that happened a lot. Four dogs. So backup to backups. Um, yeah. So they, they get to the edge of the lake which is the city limits um and the sheriff is sitting there in his car not a very busy day for sheriff of edgemar this is like pre like build a wall days Mm. so i think that this is just what people did at city limits was just make sure someone's someone shady's not coming in maybe they were smarter and they dug a lake like they were like wall's not gonna keep him out but this water will he's he's definitely on the lookout for illegals that's (laughs) for sure yeah and that i mean that dog who knows right it's, he was probably mixed at yeah at best. i mean that's sheriff he probably doesn't know every dog looks different so he did they all the dogs look the same to him so uh <laughs> welcome on in and they immediately go to um 
tractor versus horses. <laughs> yeah, we're at Sam's Auction Yard, okay. uh, which is the official name for where this bizarre tractor versus horse competition is being held with like an audience of, I would say like 70 people it looks like are there. And almost exclusively children. Yeah, yeah it's like eight adults and 62 kids. Where are these kids' parents? <laughs> Those are the parents. It's a small town, all right? <laughs> There's lots of cousins. Every parent has eight kids. Right, of course. There's only three men that we know of. Four, I guess. The sheriff, the mayor, the bitter, and oh, the hobo. He doesn't really belong. So really, it is just three men three in that men. whole town. It's all women and children. Women and children. That's where all the survivors of the Titanic went to of after it sank. <laughs> they, went to, they went to Edgemar. <laughs> and they, that's why the, the city limits at the lake, because they can't tolerate the water. They're like, we'll never get close to any water again. <laughs> Um, so yes, there's a bunch, there's two horses, two very large, uh, uh, black horses. I don't know horse breeds, but they're work horses. Clearly they're very large. Yes. Uh, they gotta be what? 500 pounds a piece. There's a lot of, a lot of horse there and they are pulling against a tractor. Yes. And, and the, uh, the man on the tractor who I guess is our fourth man, our Fourth man. he's really given it his all. He does yeah. not want to lose these horses. He probably wouldn't go home that night if he lost to the horses. Mm. His wife would just not accept him at that point. <laughs> She'd accept the tractor or the horses. <laughs> probably both of the horses. Oh, wow. It's like the godfather, but not gross. <laughs> it's, no, it's still gross. <laughs> it's just gross in a different way. <laughs> did anyone technically win? Or did the, the horses guys, won. The horses won because the horses, tractor gave up? They won. It was decisive. The okay. horses overpowered the tractor easily it it was a tug of war so they just had to pull the tractor so far back which i have issue with uh because tractors are powered by their back wheels so Mm. all they would have to do was lift the back wheels up off the ground a little bit if they like position that rope weird you got a losing tractor that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying saying it was rigged (laughs) not saying it wasn't We immediately, after this uh, bizarre show of the strength of the horses and the resilience of the horses, we immediately cut to them being auctioned off by Sam, the auction yard owner. Right. And and that makes me wonder what happens if the horses lose. Like, do they just shoot them in front of the children? They're like, well, I'm sorry, Timmy. <laughs> Old boxer here. He had a good run. And, uh... and they start at $50 for a horse. If, for both of them. It was for, for both, both of, of the horses. Yeah. That's a good rate for yeah. horses. That's an excellent rate for horses. I think horses are a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. And they're just like, ah, eh, 50. These are the most powerful horses in all the land. They ruined this tractor. $50, please. <laughs> and we have one Miss Allen or Mrs. Allen who okay. is presiding over all of these children. She might be a school teacher. It's never really explicitly stated. And she's hosting these kids at this auction yard. And she bids 50, and another man bids 60, and she bids 70, and another man bids 80. And I think she's out of money at that point. She says, if I have more money here, and she drops her 50, and then what happens? So <laughs> to go back a bit, she originally isn't bidding at all. So there's oh. a there's a farmer, farmer Fred, I don't yeah, remember quite far- remembers. And his he, name is Fred Rogers, and the children hate him. The children hate because he's he's guys. going to kill the horses for fertilizer. Because that's what you do with two beautiful workhorses that just beat a tractor. 
you shoot them and you you make them into fertilizer. Okay, yes, I do have a quote here uh, from a little girl who says, "Will they really kill the horses for fertilizer, Miss Allen?" <laughs> Will they really kill the horses for fertilizer, Miss Allen? <laughs> she really wants those horses. Yeah, and Miss Allen has uh, it doesn't look like she has any intentions of bidding, but she just opens her purse, which is half the size of a Volkswagen, and she rummages around, and this is like. 63 so i don't know what inflation is we probably should have run this number but she's got at least a hundred dollars in this wallet which has got to be like eight hundred dollars now and she's just walking around with it with all these kids so fifty dollars uh in our inflation calculator from 1963 to 2018 is 411 dollars and 77 cents but why is she there it's one of those life's greatest <laughs> mysteries what is miss allen doing at the edgemar county auction what a weird field trip <laughs> the bidding goes on she gets up to 100 and then what do we say is it fred rogers or the farmer fred rogers is the farmer yes. he bids 101 and she cannot she cannot match it and like matt was saying she had dropped a, a bill which it was just a dollar bill actually oh. and the the big hobo covers it with his foot so he can steal it so you know it's a character you can root for <laughs> and the littlest hobos have none of that so he paws at the at the foot and grabs the big hobo's pant leg and pulls him off. And then the big hobo picks it up and pretends that he just found it and gives it to Miss Allen. Uh, the littlest hobo's behavior there was very reminiscent of that dog that tries to expose the bean recipe. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I don't. <laughs> Please elaborate. Oh, it's like Burke's Beans. It's a baked bean company. And the commercials are all about this dog trying to give the recipe away. And the owner's like, no, 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 Burke. And he stops. <laughs> and Burke Bean Dog actually died pretty recently. Oh, so. no. This episode in memory of <laughs> Burke's Beans Dog. <laughs> so we get to $100. The farmer, the evil farmer, bids $101. Uh, Miss Allen can't match that bid. So the big hobo says, I'll put in $50 of my own money for these horses and I'll donate them to the children. And they go over to pay. And <laughs> I don't remember if I wrote it down or not, but the big hobo goes over and he, he suddenly makes it known that he doesn't have $50. No, what he does have, he <laughs> says, is a strong back and two work-worn hands, mm -hmm. which Sam the auction man proceeds to say, well, strong back and two work-worn hands won't pay the bills. Yep, and he is 100% right. <laughs> so they lose the horses. The horses immediately. Immediately. There's not even a question. <laughs> they just give them to uh, Farmer Rogers there, and he takes the horses. They do let the children run over and like build a bond with the mm, horses they first. Do. They start naming them and staring into their eyes That's so right. that they have that real connection before they rip them away from I the I think children. one of them does like the Vulcan mind meld like real quick just so like there really is a connection there. Mm -hmm. Yeah and then immediately Farmer Rogers gets possession and the children realize those horses are, are dead. And you have a chorus of children crying their eyes out it sounds like you have just killed their parents in front of them right it's a it's horrifying sounding yeah so uh miss allen orders them to get on the bus yeah she says come on dry your tears nothing we can do come on dry your tears where you go there's nothing we can do yeah Damn horse is dead. Maybe Fred Rogers will send us some fertilizer. <laughs> yeah. 
So the kids get on the bus, and then I also have kid on the bus, literally, because they pull a goat onto the bus. Yeah, are they stealing that goat, do you I, think, from Sam the Auction Man? I think they're stealing it from uh, Fred Rogers. I think that's the end of that scene. Well, we see that they invite the big and little hobo, mm. and this is the moment where we get that bizarre handheld shot of <laughs> yes, the littlest hobo. Right. Yeah. Which is completely out of place, and it's not color corrected. It's, mm. it's very, like, red tinted. It looked like they shot it, like you said, at kind of, um, like, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and the, yeah. rest of the, sh- the rest of the scene had been shot at, like, noon. Yeah. Or the golden hour. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, all the rest of the shot, all the auction is is nice, even lighting. It's They probably shot that in maybe two, three hours. It's not a, not a complicated scene, I wouldn't think. And then, yeah, as they get onto the bus, the littlest hobo's there bouncing around on the ground, and there's just a cutaway shot of him. It's a different dog, I think. I think this is where the second dog comes in. It's a different dog. The lighting's completely different. And I think if we went back and watched it, I think the framing around it is maybe a little little more worn. Like, the the quality of film is poor. It looked like archival footage that they just inserted into the episode. It's the found footage portion of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Al invites the littlest hobo and the big hobo back to her farm. Um, I didn't quite hear what she said, but I assume it was for work or... I... I took it that the big hobo was going to do work for Miss Allen to make up for blowing the whole horse situation. And in return, they're going to have a place to stay temporarily. Right. Yeah, he's got a strong back and work-worn hands. Work-worn hands. (laughs) As they're driving away, the littlest hobo does communicate with the two horses. (laughs) That's right. The dog equivalent of Aquaman. (laughs) So there is a shot of the horses, and they're just kind of standing there, but you get this big horse whinny. But it clearly does not come out of either horse. So that leads me to believe that either the horses were very poorly dubbed over or it's the littlest hobo off screen whinnying like a horse. Like he's like the dog from the thing where he can just like imitate other sounds. The horses are trained ventriloquists. Okay. They don't need to move their mouths. <laughs> wow. 50 bucks for ventriloquist horses. How could anyone not? Really? It's a steal of a deal. It, we should go was... in on a horse right now. Absolutely. <laughs> so then we... Uh, we're in a new scene now. We're in the barn, and the big hobo is talking to the littlest hobo. I think he's talking to himself. With, I think he's pretending he's talking to the dog. Is but, this a Fight Club thing? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because he's he's talking about how much he loves dry shirts and how they're like they're a boon on the traveling man. Yeah. And he's just he's going on and on, and the dog does not care clearly. Right. So are you saying the littlest hobo is like Tyler? Tyler Turnin, and he's like, <laughs> "I'm saying exactly that." And it's the big hobo doing all the stuff that happens, and the, the dog's not actually real. Fan theory. Yeah, okay. I love it. Yeah. So he has this nice little talk with the littlest hobo about, yeah, how great dry shirts are, and th- and how much uh, he can't wait to lay in the hay. Mm-hmm. He's pretty pumped about laying on that itchy-looking wool blanket. It looks awful. Yeah, it really like, hay in your in your spine and like on your calves. Like, oh, just oh, so itchy. I just got like spiders going yeah. up my spine. But he can't sleep immediately because directly above his head, in what is probably the best shot of the, the whole episode, the camera tilts up and there's a chicken with its butt hanging over his, his head. Just casually, just casually hanging butt. So uh, the big hobo gets up and I thought he was just going to take the chicken off because that's what I would do. But he very craftily turns the chicken 180 degrees. So just in case the chicken's going to either poop or lay an egg, 
it will not come towards him. It'll just fall onto the other side. And then once he moves the chicken, yes. we get the most impressive dog stunt of the entire episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where the littlest hobo jumps up to turn off the light, uh, which is controlled yeah, by a string, string, and he pulls on the string, and it's lights out, and he goes yeah. to bed. That's cr- It's like the craziest cutaway. It's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. I was expecting him to maybe do like a little flip or something, like hang off it for a bit, <laughs> like parkour out the window. Like a tire swing? Yeah. Because, I mean, he does leave the, the stable immediately after, so I'm thinking that would have been... Maybe in the Blu-ray HD remastered, they can CGI the littlest hobo <laughs> swinging off of it like like Zorro through the small window in the barn. They just flip a JPEG 360 <laughs> degrees yeah. at the window. And there's something I never knew I needed until just this moment. Yeah, so the littlest hobo, um, what does he do? He travels to Farmer Fred's house or his, his farm. Mm-hmm his stables but first he runs past what just is called children's home Mm. and it's just like casually is that where all the kids are staying are these all orphans yeah it's a children's home because in the next morning the whatever her the lady's name Miss Allen yeah she tells them that they're on their way to school but if it rains to wait in the schoolhouse all these kids live with Mrs. Allen in the children's home (laughs) Where are we in this? Like, where in America or Canada is this? Because we need to call CPS. (laughs) How does the littlest hobo know where Fred Rogers lives? Oh, the horses told him earlier. Right. Right. How, where do the kids, do you think the kids normally sleep in the barn? (laughs) Yeah, the kids are really mad because the little and big hobo are taking their spots. There's only three bunk beds and there's like 120 kids. They just lined up like uh, like Cuban cigars on the floor. I love that at the beginning of this episode there were sixty eight kids and they've doubled as well, we've like gone rabbits. over. <laughs> Can't leave them too long. That's what happens. I've... So so yes, yeah, so the little hobo goes to a farm. We and... get another very 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 impressive dog shot here, right. where he opens the gate all by himself. <laughs> it's almost like he's trained. Really? I'd buy that dog for 50 bucks. He's a hobo. He's not trained. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, he knows no owner. So yes, he, he uh, breaks out the horses. The big hobo wakes up in the morning. He's well rested. The horses are there. They're just in the barn. They're about four feet to his right. And he never noticed a thousand pounds of horse just kind of chilling out. I don't know what your experience with the horses are. They're really hard to miss. Like they are the size of a pickup truck. They're loud and... You know, if you're in a room with a horse, you they're, smell the horse. They're stinky. Yeah. They're stinky and they're hot. Like those are big animals. They're throwing off heat. There's no way that guy woke up. And, wow, that little chicken's like a radiator. Like he got up and that barn must have been about 15 degrees hotter than it was. At this point in the episode, we're just full out promoting theft. Oh, yes. Theft yep. of horses is just accepted yeah. by yeah, he, totally. the littlest hobo universe yeah i think he calls him uh, like a little rapscallion or a little scoundrel yeah or... he calls him a horse thief a horse thief. he like congratulates him on his horse thievery right why you horse thief congratulations which is not an example to lead by old man the fact that big hobo is agreeing with little hobo is very concerning because right. i don't think their morals should line up I think at this point, it's very important to note that when the big hobo wakes up, uh, Edgemar is basically in the middle of a Noah-proportioned biblical right. flood. 
Yeah, it's just raining, and it's raining hard. And well, we do see the the school children in the school bus. Right. Uh, with uh, it's not Miss Allen, I don't think. I don't think it's, she it's has the, a name. Uh, secondary female character. She's who, a brunette. That's, yes. That's how I differentiated. One's a blonde. Mrs. Allen's a blonde, and then the other's a brunette. And she tells them, does she not, to stay in the bus? Yeah, if it's still raining, stay in the bus. And one of the characters says, nothing more beautiful than the sight of happy children. And I think it's the big, big hobo. hobo. Yep. And it caught me as, like, really awkward. Yeah. yeah. This is a character, the less I know about, the better I feel. <laughs> the big hobo throughout the episode talks as if he's a magical elf that's been, like, projected into a human body. He can never just say, like, oh, I'm a working man. Oh, happy kids are good. It it needs an announcement, and it needs to have some showbiz pizzazz to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, he acts like there's cameras on him, but not like an actor acting like there's cameras on him. Like just a regular guy pretending there's cameras on him. He's probably very mentally ill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But his things are looking up for him. He goes into the house, and... Uh, Mrs. Allen makes him some flapjacks. Is this the point where she brings him like what we were, I'm thinking is probably like the ninth round of flapjacks because he's looking a little, a little bit stuffed. A little bloated. A little bloated. She puts down the flapjacks and she says, do you basically, do you want some more? And he says, not right now, woman, but don't get too far from that skillet. Now, should I put on another batch? At the moment, I would say no, but uh, don't stray too far from that skillet. What is that? <laughs> Is she just supposed to wait around all day for him to want more flapjacks? I think maybe there's a jump in time we're not seeing. We're going to meet up with the kids again soon. And I'm thinking now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, what happened to the kids? Um, probably couldn't have happened in like an hour. So mm. I wonder if there isn't a jump in time, like three, four hours. We're like, we don't know what Big Hobo and Miss Allen were were up to we're and why ass- he needs so many flapjacks we're assuming they crashed on the way to school they crashed on the way home from yeah. school i'm thinking there's like seven hours of lost time in here where we just we don't know what was happening he's got to replenish that stamina <laughs> right. i'm telling you he's been working hard with his what are they what are his hands i keep forgetting his well-worn hands his well-worn hands that's they're well-worn for a reason super calloused so at some point, the sheriff does show up. He does. And he's so angry. Mm-hmm. Someone has stolen the horses. But the tracks don't really lead anywhere because the rain has kind of managed to right. wash them away. Yes. So they've led kind of close to Mrs. Allen's farm, which doesn't look good on her. No. So the sheriff uh, talks to the big hobo who um, makes a whole bunch of excuses because he knows the horses are out there. And he tries to get the sheriff to leave. And then we have, in typical television fashion, the most inconvenient horse whinny, which is surprisingly loud. Like, I'm thinking that horse is in the kid's room. And, he has uh, a megaphone. That's why it's so loud. That's <laughs> right. With his little hooves. <laughs> and uh, the sheriff is uh, suddenly suspicious and decides to take a look at the barn. Um, and we know the, the jig is up. Game over. Episode over. That's Sorry, it. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. They're going to shoot the horses. They're going to shoot the big hobo. They're going to shoot the little hobo. Chicken's going to get it too. Yeah. They're going to shoot all the kids when they get home from school. All 150 of them. Well, they were at school for like six hours. There's more now. So they go to the barn. Everyone is very shocked that the horses are not in the barn. I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. I have a huge problem with this uh, sheriff who 
can hear this very loud whinny yeah. we've established. It's way too loud. Yeah. But he doesn't hear the hooves of two very, very large horses kind of galloping away from the farm. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, but he takes a really long time to look into the stable. Like, there's nothing there. That's where the hobo was sleeping, the big hobo. Like, it's it's about a six-foot square space full of hay like you can't actually get a horse in there and he looks at it the entire time he's in the barn you can't hide a horse no just in general you can't well i mean they can hide on you as we know from earlier in the episode (laughs) but like you cannot physically hide a horse like and they're two there's two horses but he really is intent on that one part well just behind him the horses gallop off into very loudly gallop away yes with the help of the little hobo again right and he's i was actually a little worried when I saw that shot because small animals and large animals don't generally run together. I had the same thought. <laughs> like, That's why there's four Littlest Hobos. <laughs> four a season, right? You get about six episodes a piece. And four then, an episode. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, no. Yeah, maybe that's what that that extra bus shot like cutaway was, was that they got to the end of this episode and uh, original London had already been crushed by a horse. So they were just like, well, bring in London the 6th. We should really stop using horses for this show, but there's just (laughs) so many horse episodes we can do. The sheriff takes off. He leaves. He can't find anything. And then Miss Allen and Brunette Lady. I think it's traveled through the grapevine that something has happened to the school children. That's right. Because they're speeding towards wherever the kids are right and this is where we get the very hosed rain effect (laughs) which is brunette and uh, miss allen sitting in a car the car is not moving the camera is not moving there is nothing moving except for there's some somebody probably the same guy who had to put the dirt on the dog is just has a garden hose and he's got his thumb pinched over two-thirds of it and he's spraying water haphazardly around the vehicle but not onto the windshield. It's actually onto the hood. The wipers are just dryly squeaking around. Um, it's just the worst noise, too, when yeah. you're using your wipers and it's dry. Ugh. And it's around this time we establish that the big hobo uh, is a seasoned tractor veteran. Right. He has some acquaintance with a tractor, I believe, is is what he says, which doesn't... Backstory. Doesn't mean anything that is. So, yes, they, they drive out to where the kids are, and there's about 200 children... Um, on an old school bus in the middle of a lake. Which yeah, I don't, I don't understand the geography here. Did they start in the lake? Did they accidentally go into the lake? I think we're led to believe that's the road, and then the road has just flooded like twenty flooded feet. Out. Yeah, I, like I. Okay, so my theory is on this. So we don't know anything about the brunette woman. I think this is a murder attempt. <gasps> I think she's trying to kill all the kids. Is she the bus driver? She is also the bus driver. Oh so I think the, my god! I think she's trying to drown them all, and she doesn't actually believe they're going to get them out. It's like that Adam E. Goyan movie, The Sweet Hereafter, <laughs> That's right. where the bus driver totally by accident drives all those kids into the lake yeah i'm I'm thinking that's what she's done she's like water will be here any second uh you guys are already about three feet in and uh goodbye and she just picks up and goes and then she goes and gets miss allen because she knows that no tractor is going to pull that bus out of that lake when we finally get to what is now like kind of a man-made lake i guess like a flooded lake Mm -hmm. again you have this chorus of children screaming horrifically like uh they were crying before but now 
it sounds like these children are being slaughtered. It's right. scary. And this this brunette woman says, I had no idea this would happen. Like she could foresee flooding. Yeah. She's so hysterical to the point where I thought Miss Allen was going to slap her. She's just a little too hysterical. Like this is a little too perfect. So I'm, I think she's waiting, hoping another 10 minutes that water level is going to come up. So it's child murder. Do you think the kids wanted the horses so that Mrs. Allen would have to give them a real room? Maybe. <laughs> Or maybe they knew that her murder lust would only stay sated for so long. Listen, 200 kids, that's about the same weight as two 500-pound horses. She's doing Each it by... kid is 20 pounds. <laughs> yeah, she's doing it by... Well, <laughs> I mean, we established some dogs are 20 pounds, so there's no reason kids can't be 20 pounds. They are very malnourished. <laughs> yeah, well, clearly, she's been feeding them flapjacks for eight years now. Those kids have got no, These kids should be no calcium. There's no, there's no calcium in them, their bones. They're just hollow. They're like birds. They've got hollow bones. They're very light. Anyways, they, um, they decide the best way to get the kids out is to throw them a cable uh, on the tractor, a winch, and uh, one very skinny, malnourished, blonde kid. He is very malnourished. Yeah, he gets... He picks this tiniest kid, and she goes, Michael! Michael! And then he pokes his head out. Mm-hmm. And so she specifically singled out Michael. Like, why not some bigger buffer kid if you know all the kids' names, Miss Allen? Well, maybe there's more than one Michael. <laughs> Not you. Well, she's too embarrassed. She evidently picked correctly because they throw this cable and the kid catches it the first try, which never happens. Do you think that was the first try on the take? (laughs) I hope so. I bet it wasn't. Yeah, I'm thinking there's about eight takes of that that big thing of rope hitting that kid in the face. Like taking him out at the knee. They had to use like six different kids for that shot because the one kept falling in the water. More kids, more kids than dogs. Yeah, it was a weird uh, statement at the end of the episode where it said, 10 kids and five dogs died in the <laughs> making of this episode. But no chickens were harmed. <laughs> so they, they do get the cable. Um, the kid is instructed with the cable on the bumper, which he does. Then they, uh, they fire up the tractor and they attempt to pull the bus out. And if there's one thing we learned from this episode, it's that tractors are extremely strong mm-hmm. and can hold up to something as large as a bus or even two horses, right? Right. So the, the tractor does absolutely nothing. And then we get one of the best lines in the, in the, in the entire episode when the horses show up with a little hobo and the big hobo goes, it's those horses. Oh, I thought you were going to say the best line is when the big hobo goes, maybe I can save some of them. <laughs> maybe I can get to them on a tow cable. I can save some of them. Well, listen, there's 300 kids on that bus. What, about 15 of them. Yeah, that's enough for those checks, those Children's Aid Society checks to still roll in. And It's it's enough to not upset the CPA too much. Like right. They won't come knocking. No. Uh, there's still some evidence that there are children there. So. Right, and it's not, they're not going to sweep the river. I mean, Start burning on. the records, Miss Allen. <laughs> That's right. There's no music over any yes. of this rescue attempt. It's just the sound of thunder and rainfall. And I think it's just another note of how fantastic this episode was directed and produced. Right, and uh, I really love the thunder and lightning sound effects when there are no flashes of thunder or lightning. <laughs> it is definitely just three grips with three garden hoses 
blasting it about two feet out in front of the lens going, yeah, yeah, it's raining out there. Yeah, some scenes it's really coming down, and then other shots it's just like, it's kind of drizzling. Yeah, they're doing their best. Now, when the when the little hobo shows up uh, with the horses, we do get that amazing shot of the hobo on the hillside, yes. uh, which is like the most aesthetically pleasing thing you see in the entire episode. Uh, I want to print it out and put it in a frame with like gold, gold lattice work around it. And uh, put it up over my fireplace. Up over the mantle. Yeah. And it's, then it's under- very heroic. Yeah. And underneath, I'm going to put in quotes, it's those horses. <laughs> <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. Are the horses even in the shot when he says that? Or do we just see the littlest hobo at this point? There's a separate shot of the horses. I don't. I think at this point, they already trampled one of the dogs. <laughs> and they just thought, let's just have the horses. <laughs> well, now that the ho- horses are here, they attach them to like a a makeshift wagon of sorts and they put like boys over the heads of these horses and we thought at first that they were going to pull the bus Mm. with these like rubber boys and it was very confusing yeah i thought maybe they were going to send the horses out (laughs) like yeah the horses don't even go in the water no why do they need these for the so they feel safe the bus isn't submerged, so no. we can assume that it's a pretty shallow... In fact, the water level isn't even rising. No, the horses would be fine, as oh. would, I would assume, I the, the children. Kids, if they held onto the line, they could just walk out. So uh, so they hook the horses up, the horses pull, and it's an epic struggle, and we don't know what's going to happen, except that the horses win, and they pull the bus out. We actually but really we don't, don't even know that. we don't see it necessarily. <laughs> we see the bus jerk around a little bit. And it looks for a hot minute like it's going to tip over. <laughs> it does. But uh, presumably the bus makes it out because it cuts away. And then uh, we're at a ceremony, I think, which is in the exact same spot as the auction. <laughs> So I'm assuming they shot it all in one day. It's like the mayoral courtyard slash Sam's auction yard. Yeah, and, and the horses have laurels over them, like they just arrived in Hawaii. They do. Uh, yeah, and the, the mayor is giving the biggest hobo the key to the city. Which, the key to the city is usually, like, not a real thing. Like, you're like, oh, it's the key to the city. It's symbolic. The mayor specifically says it will open every door in the city. You will find that it will open every door. Which is alarming because the key's really big. Like, how big are those locks? There's also about four houses in this entire city we've established. (laughs) Yeah. There's only four men. There's only four houses. I have it here in my notes. Uh, horsepower really can get anything done. Ah, oh, very good. We did speculate for a second that the horses themselves wouldn't be able to pull the bus out, that it would also take the littlest hobo. So it'd be two horsepower and one dog power. I feel like that should have happened. It's called the littlest hobo, not two buff horses, you know? <laughs> I would watch two buff horses. Welcome to two buff horses cast. <laughs> Mrs. Allen's two buff horses. So yes, they they give the the big hobo the key to the city, and there is uh, the most rhythmic clapping I've ever heard in my life, uh, where everyone claps on rhythm. Like they sound like um, uh, Children of the Corn, kind of <laughs> creepy, psychic. Everyone's on the same wave, like which makes sense because there's like four adults and three hundred children at this festival or this like ceremony. Um, they get rhythmic clapping, and uh, the last thing the mayor needs to do is give the littlest hobo 
who by nature is a, 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 clearly a, a dog, but also a hobo. It's that's, you know, a hobo with no home and is a free animal. And the mayor decides what every free animal needs is, is a collar. You know, that thing us humans put on dogs when we own them. So he pulls out this beautiful red studded collar. Yeah, it's it a, is majestic. It's a beautiful collar. But the littlest hobo, they turn to look for him and he's like, Batman, he's not there. He was there, literally there in the shot. The shot before, like it's been three seconds. There's a little poof of smoke out the left side of the screen, I think. And suddenly he's grappled over and he's on the other side of the road that they're on. And uh, he's got he's got a sign in his mouth or is it a hat? I thought it was a suitcase. It's just, he's got yes, a whole it's suitcase. It's like a suitcase or like his bindle kind of thing. Right. Um, and it's at this point where the mayor kind of alludes to uh, he's going to give the big and little hobo, it sounds like, a full time place to live in Edgemar, this town where they save the school children. So we see that the little hobo is ready to go and it looks like the big hobo hesitates for a second. Um, and he says, when the mayor asks where he's going, he says, he has a train to catch mayor and uh, so do I. Yeah. Why is he taking his financial and just general life decisions from a dog? I think yeah, he had it all ready to go. He did. He, he had like the life. He had a girl. Yeah. After this episode, the big hobo and the little hobo can never complain again about being homeless because they had it all given to them and they decided to back out of this lavish new lifestyle. I, it makes me want to watch the next episode because I kind of hope the next episode starts with him getting off a train and him going, didn't like that last town anyways. <laughs> Every episode ends with the big hobo being offered a home and the littlest hobo being like, nope, we're still rolling around, buddy. Let's get a move on. Increasingly lavish things like it's your own yacht. Nope. My dog says no. Nope. I got to keep moving. Got to get back on that train. It's the same train too. Yeah. So it's, it's the Santa Fe yeah, train. Yeah. Yeah. They just they, they throw some more dirt on them and they hop on the train. And I, I wonder if maybe they didn't do the opening of every episode in this entire season in like one go, where they just got that poor man and that poor dog to jump on and off the train for like seven hours in the sun. And it's like, oh, just put more dirt on the dog. All right. You know, there's four dogs, but there's only one big hobo. <laughs> He's getting leaner. As the season goes on, he just gets thinner and thinner. But his legs are so buff from yeah. all that jumping. He's got buff horse legs. <laughs> that is the end of. This episode yeah, of we see uh, The Littlest Hobo. Directed by Stuart McGowan, mm -hmm. produced by Doral McGowan. Doral. Uh, I think they're brothers. I think we yeah, came to I the conclusion. Or who, lovers. Or lovers. Mm -hmm. Probably brothers at this point in time. We don't know what kind of name Doral is, though. No. <laughs> Doral's the kind of sound that happens like if you're drinking water <laughs> and like it goes down the wrong pipe a little too fast. You're like, Doral. <laughs> We uh, pointed out, or you pointed out earlier, that every time we typed in Doral McGowan to research him, uh, Doorbell would be autocorrected. Um, yeah, so we, we looked up those guys. They directed a lot of... Uh, they produced, produced yeah, yeah, a lot of The Littlest Hobo. Possibly every episode they may have produced. Uh, they did some writing on it as well. Uh, they're very, very prolific TV directors and writers. Yeah. Um, Impressive stuff. And we did, we did some more digging. I know you're digging around now, so I'll talk about the other digging we did. We dug around for uh, Randy Sparks, who sings Road Without End. We found him singing another song in a very makeshift, poorly constructed Jamaican accent, island accent. 
uh, which was a little offensive. It was it was rough. <laughs> it was pretty rough. I am Jamaica fisherman. Hey, sleep all day in his sun. Um, and then we looked at uh, Ronald Stein. Yes. Stein. Who produced the, or sorry, he uh, wrote, he the, wrote music. Uh, the music. Right. And he was a very prolific motion picture uh, composer. And he had composed the music for movies like The Terror, uh, which was an early Jack Nicholson movie, and for Dementia 13, which is the first ever Francis Ford Coppola movie, you know, future like multi-time Oscar winner, mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola. And he's working with this guy who's yeah. working on The Littlest Hobo. <laughs> so there's a nice connection there. Yeah. Um, his Also, one of his songs, which, do you remember what the name of the song was? I can't remember the Pig, name of the song, but the- Go Home Pigs? The beat, oh, it yes, Go Home, it was Go Home, Home Pigs, and it was uh, used, sampled by Eminem in the song Guilty Conscience. Okay, so I guess the research that I need to do after this is to find out if anyone, any prolific, well-known rappers have ever sampled the Littlest Hobo theme. Uh, one last note. Um, this is going to break your heart. Oh, no. But London the dog from Los Angeles. Oh, God. Nothing is truly Canadian, it seems. Oh. Well, on that note, I think I'm going to wrap this up. So, yes, that was our very first episode. And... Uh, I would like to thank you for listening. I've been Stefan. I am Kayla. (laughs) And I've been Matt. And uh, if I had a nice catchphrase to end the episode, I would put it in here, but I don't. So just hop on that train, fellow hobos, and I'll see you at the next stop.